Savaged Unfiltered Alright guys, today we are joined by Noah Healy a recreational math as well as many practices and his passions. Guys, let's bring on Noah. Noah, um, let's, tell well, us a little so bit about yourself, that's buddy. That's not a line of work. That's a that's a line of fun, really. So the difference between a professional mathematician and a recreational one is, is motive, uh, not activity. Um, the professional mathematicians... Uh, generally teach as well as study uh and i get away with just studying um and so that's that's the fun uh my area of interest each each recreational mathematician sort of has their own specialty my area of interest is computational mathematics so what i like to do is collect new techniques for efficiently achieving um, process and uh, think about how to bring these techniques together uh, and create new ones. And that, that play in the space of communication and information is, is where this marketplace that uh, I'm working on uh, came out of. Oh, wow. Yeah. See, I wasn't uh, quite familiar on how it works. I've heard bits and pieces of, you know, other people, uh, you know, in, in that, in that uh, field, if I may uh, say that, you know, I, I just wasn't uh, familiar on how that works. Um, uh, it, it sounds quite uh, interesting. You know, you, you, I did mention that you, you, you go into a, uh, a superior form you know, uh, for the marketplace and you're trying to use that to, uh, upgrade the economy. Did you want to dig into a little bit of that? Cause I, I, I kind uh, of found yes. that. Absolutely. Um, so the, my system is based on a wisdom of crowds notion. So at the core, uh, an economy involves everybody getting the most of what they can get based on what everybody else wants. Uh, and so that's why knowledge and voluntary behavior is so critical to that because, uh, you know, sort of warfare would, would draw down the, the globalized average, if you will. Uh, and so all of the information about how to, operate an economy properly is resident in the brains of the people in that economy, effectively by definition. Um, the problem is that if you just ask people what they're doing and what they want, they'll lie to you uh, because there's uh, a lot of advantage to deceiving other people about what's going on. And so uh the, a marketplace essentially asks people to put their money where their mouth is to get mm. honest signaling. And what my marketplace does is gets that money where their mouth is uh, step performed in a way that directly measures the information in what their claims are. Uh, using the techniques that have been developed uh, for mass communication and telephony and so on. Uh, and so I can create much higher quality signals uh, from people and then integrate them together in a much less expensive fashion. Yeah, I mean, that sounds rather, rather interesting, you know, especially in today's time. We're facing, you know, a very challenged economy. Um, do you see it in a challenging way as, as I see it, or do you see it in a, an entirely different approach? Uh, yeah. Uh, I, I, the, the, the current economic 
problems have so many causes that it's it's almost pointless to enumerate them. Um, but what I see as a, a as a more fundamental problem is that markets themselves have become more expensive, uh, and effectively everybody knows this, but we don't really acknowledge just how dangerous that is. Um, in in the wake of the last time we had mass inflation in the 70s, the financial sector uh, very nearly collapsed. And since the 80s, uh, and this is, this is both easily verifiable through government statistics, but also, you know, in pop culture and the role that Wall Street now plays in in our day-to-day lives, uh, the fraction of the economy that has been is being used to operate the financial system has just grown yeah. and grown with the introduction of computer technology. And in fact, what we would want to see from a service economy uh, would be it becoming cheaper over time. Uh, and, and effectively, uh, what computers have done has allowed the industry as a whole to grow. And that growth is undermining the capacity of the rest of the, the economy. Yeah. You know, you, you mentioned some really, really good, valuable points, you know, with, uh, inflation, you know, we're seeing inflation, um, pretty much at, uh, at historic highs, right? We haven't seen this since, uh, you know, you mentioned the 70s, uh, but I think it goes back even further uh, before the 70s. I mean, we haven't really seen this type of, you know, high market uh, since probably like the 50s or 60s. And that's uh, not, that's yeah, not that's, I could be no, challenged on that, but yes. That's, yeah, that is absolutely the case. Um, uh, the the degree of interconnectedness of various regional markets uh, has only increased since the global financial crisis and the various governments of the world all agreeing to uh, sort of simultaneously weaken their currencies, uh, which has shielded us from a lot of the inflation that has been produced over the last decade plus at this point. Um and so now that that's breaking loose, we are seeing it effectively all over the place. Um, the the euro uh, broke through the psychological barrier of being worth less than a dollar. Um, uh, China is dealing with uh, mass internal issues with their property markets. Um, there are reports of 50 and 70% uh, revenue hits from their property developers, which is the core of their economy. Um, and of course, we're seeing inflation um, uh, hit new heights. And again, depending on which statistics you decide to look at, um, it's it's either uh the seventies or, or the thirties that you'd have to go back to, to see similar inflationary events. Right. So there's not, you know, like I, I have, I have bad knees and, and I'm fortunate that it's very rare for both of my legs to go out at once. Um, And so, you know, if, if you're in that kind of position, you can sort of walk on one leg. You know, if, if Asia goes down and America's strong, then, you know, you can, the, the economy can kind of limp along. But we're seeing simultaneous problems in Europe, Asia, and North America. Um, will, will Africa, uh, South America, and India be able to toddle forward? I don't know the answer to that question. Hey, guys. If you're looking for a steak, I know it's hard to find steak, right? You know, a lot of restaurants that just overcooked, undercooked, just not to your taste buds, right? You want that juicy steak. Look no further than Omaha Steak. I love them, guys. Love them. If I didn't love them, 
Why wouldn't I be promoting them on the podcast today? Go over to Omaha Steaks, okay? They are phenomenal, guys. The juiciest steak you'll ever taste in your life, okay? A lot of people are like, well, how does it get delivered to your house? You know, with gnats and bugs going to get into it. it. No, no, no. It's not, you don't have to worry about all that. It is in a sealed perishable bag delivered to your house. So you don't have to worry about the gnats and the bugs get into it. It's fresh from the time they ship it from their distribution center to the time it arrives at your house. The juiciest steak you'll ever have in your life, guys. Check them out today. Omaha Steaks. Hello again. Yeah, hi, how are you doing? Uh, uh, sorry about that. I, I we had a power outage here. We're getting, we had some bad storms, thunderstorms roll by the area, but uh, everything should be back in uh, order right now. Sorry about that. That that's okay. Uh, I was afraid it might have been on my end. Yeah, see, that's what happens. You know, the t- technology is great today, but uh, you know, it doesn't work when you have uh, bad thunderstorms. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Well, you're in you're in Florida, and it's it's hurricane season. You know, it's the weather can be bad all all sorts of different ways down there. Yeah, yeah. So we're gonna dig back into what you were saying, if you can remember, on you know the the segment we were just in. I think you were talking about the. Um, uh, the inflation with uh, different types of um, uh, differences with the UK as well as the US, you know, not only affect, you know, it's not only affecting the US, but it was also affecting uh, China uh, with their currency and everything else. Go ahead, sir. Um, So, yeah, as I was saying, um, the, the Chinese are in the middle of a banking crisis, which is perhaps unsurprising when you realize that the, trillion dollar deficits that we've been running on a pretty much annual basis, although we're a little up from that since COVID, uh, they've been running multi-trillion dollar deficits in a smaller economy over that same time scale. Uh, and of course, the economy of all of Europe is larger, uh, but they have also been running uh in the neighborhood of a trillion dollar deficits on an annual basis uh, over the last uh, decade plus. So, so this is just not, this is not just a U.S. problem. This is basically like a world problem. You're saying, you know, the U.K. experience uh, high amounts of deficit uh, with their currency, with their economy. Um, you know, at, at first, uh, I thought this was only a U.S. problem, you know, uh, you know, compared to the two presidencies that we've had, you know, between Trump and, you know, now Biden. I thought it was more of a of a of a presidential uh, issue, you know, between negotiations and stuff like that. I'm I, I, I would not want to exonerate any particular person or group. Um uh, there's been a lot of bad behavior as well. Um, oh, sure. The if you think about, say, the the mortgage-backed securities crisis, um, the the fundamental problem was that uh, by creating this brand new credit system. Um, the amount of money that was available to buy real estate was vastly larger than the amount of money that would have went to that um, if people actually had to come up with the cash themselves. And so real estate valuations spiked. And since the, since the underlying engine of that credit system was based on what the value of the real estate looked like that essentially put everything into turbo drive where the faster it went, the faster it could go. Um, sure. That's not the first time that happened uh, during Japan's post-war boom um, at peaking out it, by the late eighties, early nineties uh, the city of Tokyo's land assessment value was greater than the 48 
contiguous states of the United States. So in theory, uh, you could sell the city of Tokyo and buy every state except for Alaska and Hawaii and have a little bit left over. Hmm. That of wow. course is ridiculous. It's insane. That didn't happen. Um, but the Japanese economy believed that it did. And they've had a very hard time growing since then um, because that's, that's what they sort of built themselves into. Now, right. in the process of building themselves into that, there were individuals that, that, you know, were running scams or doing things that weren't a good idea. Uh, and in the same way with the, with our mortgage backed securities, which we didn't spin out to quite that extreme extent, the same kind of thing happened. Uh, I saw an interview with uh, Tim Dillon on some other, you know, comedians podcast uh, where, Dylan, before he was a comedian, actually sold mortgage-backed securities, and he described the process of of how that sales process worked, and and it was an open scam. Like you know, he yeah. bosses the people they were working with. Um, yeah, I, I've seen that sh- uh, that 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 podcast episode um, actually myself, and I found that quite interesting. You know, yeah, where he, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so so. Tim Dillon didn't cause the global financial crisis. That was caused by doing this thing that was structurally broken. But he also well, didn't know, do nothing either. He he was behaving badly in in that situation, and yeah. and harms were caused as a result of those things. Well, um, you know, if if I may, sir, you know, we're we're on the uh, topic of inflation, you know, and I've always asked this question. You know, whether it's, you know, uh, with myself here on the show or just any other guest I have, uh, inflation to me is is a very uh, interesting topic uh, because I look at it uh, at all different angles. You know, with the inflation that it is right now, uh, do you think that it could have been avoidable? Uh, do you think some of even the stimulus, uh, you know, uh, checks that had went out in the last couple of years do you think that could have been a big role uh, towards this inflation crisis that we're in right now, or do you don't think that 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 was that 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 role? It took certainly so. It certainly did contribute. Um, however, yeah, that's what I was trying to say. Yeah. However, the the difficulty with the inflation crisis that we're experiencing is that our financial system is actually dependent on continuous inflation for its operation. And as a result of that, um, we've had inflation for decades. Um, the, the thing that's really causing us to become quite worried now is that inflation has broken out of the little sort of asset walled garden that it was in uh, where it was just jacking up stock prices and people were fundamentally okay with stock prices getting jacked up. Um, right. You're, you're, you're right about inflation. We've had inflation, you know, for a long time, but what I'm talking about is, you know, with the inflation that, that we're experiencing right now, we haven't seen this type or form of inflation uh, this is very new. I mean, you have yes. inflation that that's usually like between one to you know two percent. Any under any you know U.S. presidential administration, that's normal. I get that, but we're seeing inflation, sir, at like you know forty, fifty, sixty-year highs that we haven't right. seen you know, since the, the the Carter administration, or even going back towards Nixon. You know, yes. this is yes, but, but this is point- something that we're not used to. Right. The point I would like to make is that while we've become quite concerned now that that inflation is in the consumer sector, um, the the inflationary actions were actually that high. It's just that they were uh, happening in notional asset values. Um, the actual value of the stock market isn't as high as we generally believe it to be um, because all large amounts of that that free money that was being deficit spent in to support 
the the marketplace itself uh, was going there. What we're now seeing is rather than having our leading companies be overvalued, um, we are also having that inflation spread out into the consumer space. Um, that that's that that gets down to these these sort of fundamental issues. The problem the problem that you're experiencing and the problem that you're having aren't really the same thing. And yeah. if and while we do need to solve the problem that people are experiencing because as as food and fuel and rent prices get very high, uh, it will push people to the wall uh, and and cause stressors that oh yes kill, absolutely kill people um, yeah absolutely we're, i mean we're seeing you know from from the crisis that we're facing right now in the country you know i talk to many people you know friends up north uh you know uh, friends in california all over the country you know even some friends that uh have their own shows podcast and you know youtube and stuff like that uh they say that this inflation is causing more in the country and I could see that, you know, with the rising, you know, uh, housing, the, the the rents, the mortgages, uh, you know, as simple down as, uh, you know, you mentioned groceries and, you know, uh, gas prices. Uh, do you see do you see this turning around? You know, because I I'm sorry, I'm kind of getting into this topic. I wanted to get into your uh, game theory. And also, I've noticed that you had developed a patent uh, pending system, which I hope we have some time to get into that. Uh, do you see, uh, you know, this inflation causing more homeless and more interest rates uh, with the uh, with the marketplace itself? Uh, yeah, I'd imagine that it would. Um, the the driving forces of of this action aren't going anywhere, uh, and the the government isn't slowing down its deficit spending in any particular way, uh, and and the price normalization hasn't flowed through the system yet. Uh, so, unless um, uh, the 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 extra money that's been produced can be removed from the system um it will eventually have to raise the level to to its its normality level wherever that is uh and yeah. since we're looking at uh like i said about 14 years of the, at this point of uh five to 10% of the economy being the pure result of inflation. Um, what What's actually happened over the last decade is that right. the economy has actually been in contraction. We've just had government spending and credit creation to lie to ourselves that we managed to get past uh, the issue sure of lying to ourselves about how valuable homes are. Right. Well, well, here's the thing, you know, I, I, um, I talk about inflation a lot on my show, uh, you know, since it's a, uh, it's a very, uh, you know, kind of trending type of well, topic it's, now. It's obviously topical. Yes. Yeah, it, it is topical, but I get a lot of comments coming in, even on, you know, social media and then throughout the shows that I talk, uh, you know, uh, on inflation, you know, saying it is a possibly, you know, administration issue you know, between, you know, Biden and, and Trump, you know, and, you know, you could look at it like that, you know, where, you know, Biden is obviously, you know, it's a different administration, uh, you know, the negotiation skills, uh, in my own personal opinion, are not there, as it once was, you know, possibly under Trump, you know, Trump pretty much ran this country as if it was a business. And I think that was the first time in a long time that this country was ran as a business, more or less as a, uh, as a, uh, you know, a governmental, uh, you know, administration uh, form of a government. But, you know, do you think that, you know, with uh, Trump running, like I mentioned, uh, this country as a business for four years, do you think that it controlled the inflation level then than what Biden is running our country now? 
you know, with more as a as a uh, a presidential, you know, kind of you know governmental uh, system. Um. So I I was actually at a conference uh, a few years ago um, with president um, on the agricultural commodity futures and the the keynote speaker at the conference uh, was our head negotiator with China. And so this guy's a lifer. He'd been there for, for multiple administrations, um, uh, you know, probably all the way back to the Clinton administration based on his age. And his comment was that he had never worked for anyone that could create leverage the way that Donald Trump could. Uh, and so there's definitely that kind of presence, um, and, and from a purely selfish point of view, which is, I think, a pretty valid way to think about things in many cases, um, yeah. solving our problems or at least diminishing our pain is, is valuable. Um, but again, I see this as more of a situation of of a dam breaking where uh, we've all kind of been been neglecting it and and piling up stuff behind the dam uh, for multiple administrations. Um, the, this this deficit spending reaction to the, the last major financial crisis started under the Bush administration, was continued without pause under the Obama administration, was continued without pause under the Trump administration. Um, and then the COVID crisis, if anything, expanded it. Uh, now, yeah. the Biden administration appears to have expanded things even further, um, which which might be what opened up the crack in the dam. Um, but the, the, that, that issue is, is a, is a much bigger. And as I said, a much more global one. Um, right. And not one sadly uh, that I see the current administration um, responding to in, in any way that, that looks productive to me. Uh, so uh, that that I can say without, yeah. without fear. Yeah, I want to contradiction. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I want to make some room here before we close it out because I, uh, you know, we got into a topic right now that it that is uh, that that I touch on extremely. Uh, I mean, a lot on my show, and uh, you know, inflation is. You know, everybody wants to know. You know, like where where is our country going? You know, with this current problem that we're in. You know, we're facing. You know. Uh, issue after issue i mean we're we seem to be getting into you know pandemic after pandemic and the the uh the questions that come across uh to washington it seems that there's no answers to those questions uh from the uh, general public of this country and i I wanted to get into uh before we close it out i want to get into your uh your your patent and pendant system uh now that that has a lot to do with uh you know your technique uh if I'm if I'm assuming correctly uh, to this to this uh, economy, uh, uh, yeah, yeah. So, do you have reason, any? Uh, go ahead, sir. Uh, yeah, the reason that's patent pending is that the patent office has gone uh, really full ca- Kafka at this point. So, the the patent was actually accepted um, at this point two years ago. Um, oh wow! The they acknowledged that it was useful. Um, they acknowledge that there's no prior art of any description. Nobody's ever really come up with a way to innovate in market space the way I have. Um, but then the quality control department. Uh, put and why do you think? Kibosh. Yeah. Why do you think it's like that, sir? You said. It, it, uh, well, let me get to the really crazy part first. So this is two years ago. They've given me the acceptance they've withdrawn the acceptance that's a thing that does happen it's rare um but they didn't really do it procedurally the way it would normally happen my examiner's supervisor called my attorney informally and told 
him that it was going to be withdrawn. Um, eventually, they came up with their reasoning uh, for why they couldn't accept the patent. And that reasoning, when examined mathematically, uh, was a claim by the U.S. federal government that one equaled two. Um, I found I found a paper on algorithmic analysis that's actually hosted on the National Institute of Standards and Technology um, wow. that describes the the how one and two are different in the context that that was important uh, and and we wrote a very strongly worded rebuttal of of that claim uh, which they ultimately accepted. And so in February wow. of this year, the patent was reaccepted. Well, uh, several weeks after that, the reacceptance was re-rejected. Uh, and the my examiner and his supervisor uh, explained that they couldn't understand the reasons being given by the QC department. Uh, and so they basically just repeated the last one. Um, you know, if it's if it's me, if I may add, it almost sounds as you know the first kind of merry-go-round with this thing here. It sounds more as a uh, as a political agenda. You know why they didn't approve it the first time around? Does it the, sound that the same way to you, sir? Um, I I did open a a case with my congressional office to try to explore a little bit more of what's going on and and the caseworker uh when i sort of described the circumstances and what i was working on uh her her sort of initial response was well powerful people do have interests uh so so yes you're you're not alone um i i don't know what's going on um basically they're not communicating with me anymore so i can't I can't do anything with that. You know, I, I could say the same thing. I mean, I'm a former, as you probably can hear in my voice, I'm a former New Yorker. I, I grew up in uh, uh, the Lower East Side of Manhattan. And, uh, you know, dealing with, uh, you know, politics up there and dealing with, you know, whether it's federal or local uh, level of a government, it, it's extremely hard. And I, I, I've noticed that, you know, I have some friends in the private sector and I have some friends that uh, that work for uh on both a federal and a local level. And they tell me, you know, dealing with dealing with Washington up there or dealing with the state level is extremely hard. And I know you happen to reside up in, uh, up in uh, Virginia and it's, you know, if it's, it's difficult, it's difficult. And I can tell you, you know, living here now in Florida, uh, everything is a lot smoother. I've noticed, you know, and people are like, well, you know, Michael, you don't live in the sunshine state. You live in the freedom state. I'm like, Oh, yeah, a lot of people are calling that now, you know, due to Ron DeSantis changing the uh, landscape of politics here in Florida, uh, which is great, you know. Uh, but, you know, like this pending system, you know, uh, do you feel that it's going to make impact on, on our economy? Uh, I, I don't know what phase you're in it with it, but uh, do, you, do you see it making it a large impact or affecting the economy? Absolutely. So, so. Let me start with the phase question. There are currently four projects, um, really all of them outside the United States, that are building up to try to integrate my technology and get it in front of uh, a customer base. Uh, but to give a sense of what what's sort of going on here, uh, the U.S. economy is in the lower 20 trillions of dollars. And over the last sort of generation, the long-term growth rate of the U.S. economy has been about 2%. So uh, yeah. somewhere between four and $500 billion a year is how much the economy grows sort of smoothed out average. Yeah. Um, so pretty much uh, everything Biden's saying right now is a complete lie. I mean, obviously, we well, know that the economy has jumped like, you know, 40 percent yeah. in the last three or four months i i mean i laugh at that sometimes i'm like you know yeah. what are they well, are they so used, you know the, the <laughs> current overhead costs of the existing system are 800 billion dollars um, yeah and that comes straight off potential that's a that's what's known as a deadweight loss in economics so okay. 
my system could reduce that cost by 50, 90, or even more percentage, um, which would, if if you took that and added it on, would affect would effectively double the growth rate of the American economy. Oh wow, wow! Do do other people or uh, organizations or people that you may have worked with, uh, or even the general public, do, do they have any type of you know knowledge that this could work? Uh, they do not. Uh, the one of the reasons I'm doing podcasting is to try to create general knowledge of the fact that there's something uh, this consequential that's actually available and possible. You know, I think you're onto something there, Mr. Healy. I mean, you know, this, this sounds fascinating where, you know, not only can it uh, play a big part on our economy, but it, it may be the answer to fix all of this, you know? Uh, so I would caution you. I believe that the scope of the problem that we're presently in requires more than doubling human wealth. And this really only has the potential to do that. I think we're... We're at a point now where somewhere between a three and five fold increase in general wealth is necessary, uh, which is, I'd expect the reason why governments are behaving so irrationally to attempt to lie about how much wealth actually exists. Uh, but, But I can't see how it could hurt to double human wealth. Well, I mean, it could play a good, uh, you know, it, yeah, it, it. yeah, yeah, it would it would help out. I, I'm pretty sure. Yes, it would help out. You know, um, uh, I, I love to dig more into this, but uh, you know, I'm I'm, I'm kind of uh, losing time here because I have uh, another appearance I got to make on a on a show. Actually, I wish I had more time with you, and I, I hope to you know have you back on the show because I'd love to get more into this uh, this uh, patent patent system uh, that you had developed. Uh, because it's uh, quite fascinating. <laughs> yeah, great. Um, that that would that would be fine for me too. This was a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm going to set up something in the near future because I think the uh, the audience and uh, my listeners uh, they'd love to hear more about this because this is something that is uh, that that is fresh uh, that I've never heard of, and uh, possibly you know not only the nation but the world has never heard of yet. And I, I, I think you're on to something here, and it, it sounds very special, and, and I'd love to hear more about your ideas and, you know, where you want to bring them to, you know? Yes, yes. I'd, I'd love to talk to you about that stuff. That's, uh, that's yeah. what's gotten me into podcasting in the first place. Yeah, yeah, the same thing with myself too. Uh, uh, Noah, um, uh, you know, for the listeners that may be listening to this, and you know, people that are not aware of uh, of your work and 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 what you do, you know, where can they find you at? So there's a website uh, that I have called cordisc.com. That's C-O-O-R-D-I-S-C, uh, where you can learn more about me and this idea. Uh, you can find me on LinkedIn. I'm the Noah Healy on there. And uh, you can reach out to me through my email, uh, Noah P Healy at yahoo.com. Great stuff. Uh, Noah, um, like I said, uh, I hope we're not going to be a stranger here in the, in the future. Uh, I'd love to bring you back on uh, as a, uh, you know, a part two of this, uh, of this podcast episode to learn more about this system that you have developed. Uh, Noah, it's been great uh, talking to you on this episode and um Yeah, like I said, uh, let's not be strangers, and I hope to have you back on my show in the near future, sir. Sounds great to me. All right. All right. Take it easy, sir. All righty, guys. You just heard the voice of Noah Healy, recreational mathematician, as well as other practices and his passions. Uh, We're going to invite Noah for part two of this episode in the near future. I highly suggest you tune into the final episode of this great, great conversation I have with Noah.